Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The greatest mystery is the mystery of the universe. In this podcast, Eckhart talks about the awakening universe. He says, the great miracle and the mystery is that the universe is conscious. In fact, Eckhart explains that it is a manifestation of consciousness itself, and we are part of that. He explains there are millions and billions of other life forms across the galaxies, but here on Earth, the universe expresses consciousness through us. He believes, as we grow in awareness, we let go of the limitations of the ego. We discover we are more than a person with a personality. Ultimately, we learn to see others just as ourselves. In Eastern traditions, this is called metta. In the West, it's called love. Eckhart believes by acknowledging our shared humanity, we discover all our expressions are part of the one great consciousness. My digital timer here is at zero. <laughs> That's good. Time has stopped. It's still at zero. <laughs> oh, it just turned to one. To get out of time, all you have to do is stop thinking and just being present. That's the vertical dimension that opens up and there is no time. In the external, time still happens, but you no longer have any internal time. So time doesn't really exist outside of the human mind. That seems perhaps hard to believe. But even some philosophers already came to that conclusion. So as a practice, as you know, I recommend practicing the cessation of thought for example, when you're walking from A to B, then maybe start with a very short distance, like from here to that wall. Make that as a practice. Obviously, you're walking for some reason. You want to get somewhere, probably, or maybe you're just taking a walk. It doesn't matter. But you're making it a practice. This space, the space between here and there, 
let's see if I can be just present with every step and briefly of thought until I reach that spot there. <laughs> and so you walk. You know, you see everything, perceive everything. You're breathing, of course, hopefully. You're not walking as a, as a person then, because there's nothing that makes you a, a person that is to do with the personality that you have during that space of not thinking. You don't have a personality. There's no person walking, there is a conscious presence walking. If you're able to be free of thinking. And that is very helpful practice. You can do it anywhere, whether you're in nature or in a city. In a city you can say between here and the next lamp post, I will be just present. And then you walk. You may not succeed every time. But it's an easy, relatively easy practice, can be incorporated into your everyday life. Home isn't just a place, it's a state of mind, like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Even a simple thing like walking across the room can make that into a conscious action, conscious action. And then you can sense there's a just incredible difference between walking as a person <laughs> and walking as presence. <laughs> Often, of course, we speak of presence, we point to presence. Presence is not just the absence of sound, it also, it's also the presence of presence. There's a silent power in that presence. The more you go there, the more you can sense it. And that silent power has nothing to do with any achievement in your life of achievement of the person. And you cannot say that it's yours. It would be misguided to say, this is my power. <laughs> There is a silent power. It's not yours because nothing is yours. And perhaps you can even feel it at this moment, here now. Maybe it's very just very subtle. When you are rooted in that, you are it, basically. That's, of course, the end of all fear or anxiety. And you will no longer have a problem with self-worth or self-esteem. 
No need to compare yourself anymore to any, anyone else. Potentially, every human could have access to that consciously. They all have a trickle, that's why they're still alive. They have a trickle of that, but the, the ego stands in the way. The pseudo-power of the ego, which is a dreamlike state. When you go into not thinking, you are above thought. You are alert. There's an alert state of being above thought. But it can happen that you slip, so to speak, and from the state of being above thought for too long, more than you can stand, you, you fall below thought. <laughs> this happens to people in meditation everywhere. It happens in, monas in Zen monasteries, it happens everywhere. All the professional meditators have a problem with that. That's why the Zen master goes around and hits you when he feels you're nodding off. He has a stick and he hits you on the back. So you go, it's an early morning meditation, so obviously it's, you didn't get enough sleep. So you're present for a few minutes. And then, heck, it works, it works. <laughs> this is a microcosm of a, the macrocosm in everyday life. When you become unconscious, life will challenge you again and hit you with something. When your life turns unconscious, life will hit you with a metaphorical stick or worse. So walking, and then you can extend it a little bit. Instead of the next lamppost, make it two lampposts. And you're walking from here to the second lamppost. You're less likely to fall asleep when you're walking. <laughs> so presence practice is very helpful when there's some movement. And this is an amazing shift to be walking as a presence rather than as a person. If I were here as a person primarily, I mean obviously there is a little bit of a person still here, but it's not a big thing, just a little person. For a person it would be stressful and it would produce anxiety to know that now I'm going to give another talk. Is it going to work, says the person? Am I going to be able to talk or what's going to happen? Or let's say I give a talk in a big city, there may be 4,000 people, and there I am sitting in my hotel room waiting to be picked up to give a talk. This it could be stressful if I had the idea in my head, now I'm going to give a talk. I am a spiritual teacher and I am about to give a talk to 4,000 people and it has to go well, it has to succeed, I have to make an effort to make, whatever the mind might be saying, very stressful. <clears throat> if I go from the hotel to the venue, I sit in the car, thinking about, is it going to work, what am I going to say? 
oh, how can I fill two or three hours? No, that doesn't work. But if I am just a presence, I'm sitting in the car as a presence, looking out of the window without thought, and I can sense the power that is going to give the talk. <laughs> I know that the silent power will flow into the mind and the talk will happen. I don't need to know how it's going to unfold or what, what exactly is going to be said. So you're kind of, you rest in that silent power that is there beyond thought. And then I sit in the so-called green room, which is a waiting room behind stages. They call it green, but most of them are not green. I don't know. <laughs> and then I sit there in the state of no thought. It's beautiful. And sometimes I, I walk up and down. It's, it might look as if I'm nervous, but I'm walking because I don't want to sit for, for that long. So walk up and down the room. And then I walk on stage, there's some steps here, one step at a time. Um, and then there's a moment of silence. And then words come. That is everybody's destiny, is to, to, con to get in touch with that silent power and realize that that silent power is the essence of who or what you are. It is the Tao, or whatever you want to call it. And it can only be felt, sensed, if the ego gets out of the way. And the ego is mind activity, and is particularly identification with mind activity. So you have to make room for the silent power and to let go of thought is making room for that to arise. So that's a practice, whether you're walking, also lovely if you're in the car driving, you can also practice. You'll actually be quite present. Many people drive, they're thinking about something totally different and only if, if there's a critical situation they suddenly become aware that they're driving. But driving is also a way of practice. Every traffic light when the car stops, just being present. More and more, you can, in many, many situations, people are asking often how to incorporate this into everyday life. In as many situations as possible, Practice the cessation of thinking so that you are able to rise above thinking and the, the person temporarily subsides. Then you can experience the world also as a perceiving consciousness instead of perceiving the world through the veil of your conditioned mind. And that's a wonderful way you can actually enjoy what you perceive through visually or other senses. You can enjoy that very much. And you find the aliveness and beauty in the smallest things that before you could never have noticed. Because if you 
relate to reality through the veil of your conditioned thinking, it kind of deadens the world because it becomes conceptualized through excessive naming, for example. You no longer can sense the reality of that thing that you are naming, but if you drop the naming, then you can connect with it. The naming, the constant naming, which is thought, creates a sense of separation between everything that is named and you. You drop the naming, and the sense of separation, of separateness, goes, and there is a connection with whatever it is that you are contemplating or looking at or sensing or touching or hearing. There's no longer a sense of the other. I call it sometimes this, this is the non-conceptual intelligence, the non-conceptual way of knowing, as I call it sometimes. You can know something conceptually or you can know it in a a deeper way, non-conceptually. And this deeper knowing is is more is a very di- different kind of knowing. It's a to, to some extent you become one with that thing, whatever it may be, or it could be a being or a human. In the case of human beings, when you when you are present with another human being, and and let go of the naming, you connect with the human being at a deeper level, and. That deep connectedness is actually what in some, like in Buddhism, they call it loving kindness or kindness or metta. That's, it's love, but not in the conventional sense, in a deeper sense. Love is the recognition of the other as ultimately not other. The recognition of the other as ultimately yourself, because everything, is a manifestation of the one consciousness. That is the Tao or Brahman. Everything is a manifestation of that and even the table here is a material object, is consciousness at a lower frequency. Frozen consciousness, one could say, that's matter. Or you could say consciousness that's totally asleep. And then you have life, plant life. You have minerals and rocks and minerals. That is frozen consciousness or consciousness asleep. (laughs) And then you have the next stage, the evolutionary stage, is plant life. That's a different state. You can also compare it with water. You can have water can be solid, frozen, and then water can be liquid, and then water again can undergo another metamorphosis and become vapor. So consciousness, various frequencies as matter, solid matter or plant life, that's another step. And then the next evolutionary step is animal life, one could say consciousness is a deep asleep in matter, consciousness is dreaming in the plant, trees, flowers, etc. Consciousness then is animal life, 
perhaps a, a greater awakening of another vibrational frequency of consciousness, perhaps the early beginnings of an awakening. And then there's a transition to the humans. <laughs> and the humans are still half asleep, uh, in, partly in the dream state. The humans are transitional entities, transitional beings between where they are supposed to go in the evolutionary, the evolution of consciousness and where they are now. As Nietzsche said, they're like a walker on a tightrope. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. And so there's... The animal is there, and the that's hard to translate. The future human, that where we are, the superhuman, or whatever you want to, the overhuman, is the goal. We're halfway between animal and a conscious, fully conscious human being. We're like a walker on the tightrope, and it's quite dangerous, he says, because we could fall off and, and not make it. <laughs> So then the is unitive consciousness. You know things and you don't sense, have that sense that here's you and there's the rest of the universe. You feel a connectedness with all things and all beings, a oneness with all things and all beings through letting go of thought processes. When needed, Thought can operate beautifully, especially when you have access to that deeper dimension. Then thought can be inspired by that deeper dimension, and it can use your mind. Instead of your mind pretending to be you and using you, this silent power can use your mind, because it has created it. And this silent power, which is consciousness itself, the unconditioned consciousness, you might ask, well, the human mind never stops asking, and then it asks, so well, where does that come from? Is that God? I will offering to you now my intuitive perception of this. It is something that emanates from the source of all life, which is not part of this dimension at all. It's, it does not exist in space and time. It emanates, as the sun emanates light, the source emanates what we call consciousness into this dimension. So it is like the light of the sun. 
The consciousness is the light of the source. It's metaphorical light, but it's often compared to light in various traditions. So this is the the emanation of the one, which traditionally is called God, but I don't like to use that word because it's been misunderstood for so long. God has been made into an, an entity that is somewhere traditionally up there until the first astronaut who went up into space, Russian astronaut, of course he came from an atheist country at the time, and he said, I didn't see God anywhere up there. <laughs> oh, okay, that proves it, there is no God. <laughs> so the, the consciousness, the silent power that is that unconditioned consciousness, one could say it is the emanation of, let's use that word for a moment, I hope we don't mind, of God in you. It is the light of God in you. And Jesus actually said it. He said, you are the light of the world. What could that mean? What is that light of the world? It is the light in which the world appears, which is consciousness. Would there even be a world without that consciousness that perceives this? That's an interesting question. You probably know the question. Uh, it's sometimes regarded as a Zen question. The Zen question has no answer. For example, the Zen question is, what is the sound of one hand clapping? So that you cannot answer that because it doesn't make sense. It is the Zen questions, which are called koans. They are supposed to drive your mind to its limit so that the mind finally surrenders. And when the mind finally surrenders, then you can hear the sound of one hand clapping because it's the silence. <laughs> I've given an explanation now, one shouldn't do that. But that's how it is. There's another question which is regarded sometimes as a Zen question, but it's not because it has an answer. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no, nobody around to hear it, does it make a sound? Now the answer is of course, it does not make a sound when there's nobody there to hear it. Because for a sound to happen, it requires a sensory organ and a consciousness behind it. Without the sensory organ, which we call the ear, there may be a vibra there's a vibration when the tree falls, but the vibration does not become sound because there's no organ to perceive it. So the tree does not make a sound when it falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it. Next question would be, interesting question, there's, there's a rainbow, a beautiful rainbow. Would this rainbow be there if, if there were nobody there to see it? <laughs> no, of course not, because the rainbow isn't even something. It's something that the light does. And if nobody perceives it, then it, it's not happening. <laughs> Is that confusing? <laughs> and what is this table without the human organs of perception and the consciousness behind it, 
what is left if there's no, no, no entity perceiving this? Of course, obviously, then there wouldn't be a table anymore. All that's left is perhaps atoms and molecules in rapid motion, because that's what the table consists of. Molecules, atoms in vast motion, an energy field, that's all. An energy field with vast spaces in between, so that 99.999% of this table is empty space. <laughs> it's nothingness, basically because even within the atoms this empty space so all this is just it's, it's space it's all that there's no table or room here or bodies in the room just consciousness atoms are perhaps the most rudimentary form of consciousness there's, some scientists have written about the speculated about the consciousness of the atom but I don't want to go too far with this. Let's leave it at a practical level. Your consciousness is an essential part of what you perceive as the world. You cannot separate them. There isn't the world and your consciousness. The two form a unity. So without your consciousness, there isn't really a world. You are an essential part of what you perceive as the external world. Is it really external? Isn't everything experienced within you? Everything, the, what looks like the external world, is experienced in your consciousness, in your mind. There are sensory perception, sen sensory perception sends signals to the brain, which are then decoded by the brain, and then the brain recreates, or the mind, brain is the physical aspect of mind, which is non-physical, they hang together. The brain or the mind then decodes the signal that it receives and then reconstructs something from the, of those signals and then it becomes suddenly a room and a table. And <laughs> philosophers have speculated whether, whether there's anything there at all outside or are we making it all up? Is life a dream? that consciousness is dreaming. In a way, it is. Because everything, just like a dream, it comes and goes, it arises and subsides, everything evaporates fairly quickly from this world. Like a dream, a dream evaporates when you wake up. It's gone, it dissolves. And every body that's in this room is destined to dissolve within a few years. By a few, I mean, well, there's no little children here, so let's say uh, 80 years at the most. And within 80 years, I believe everybody here will be gone. And for many, including myself, much less than that. <laughs> and so if you could see a speeded up version of human life, you would see the, being, the human being born and growing and reaching maturity like a flower that comes out of the ground, opens up, it's beautiful, and then it begins to wilt. But there is something in essence, what you are, 
what you can see is a tiny fraction of what you are. Your, your, you are, even as a person, which is not the essence of who you are, it's a temporal coming together, but you are essentially invisible. Your, every thought you have exists in an invisible dimension. It is related to the human brain, yes, but thought itself, you cannot find it by opening up the brain and examining it. Any thought, you, you have millions of thoughts and memories in your, in your mind or in your brain, but no surgeon would ever be able to f find a single memory by opening up your brain and looking with a microscope to find where is the memory of your grandmother? Where does it live? Is it material or is it somehow related to the actual physical brain in the same way that when a radio plays a piece of music, there's a relationship between the, the radio, the, the receiver, and the music that it transmits. The music needs the radio to come into this dimension, but the music itself is not created by the radio. In the same way that consciousness, it obviously is related to the physical brain in the same way that the music displayed by the radio is related to the radio in some way. And if something goes wrong with the radio, then the music, either it will stop completely or will become distorted. So if something goes wrong with the human brain, obviously, then you can see that consciousness becomes distorted. For example, when brain damage happens, and even through certain drugs it can happen, in, in the same way, if you put liquid or something into a radio receiver, the music would become distorted or it would stop completely after a while. Does that mean that the music is produced by the radio? It looks like it, but it, everybody knows it isn't. In the same way, I would suggest to you that consciousness has a relationship, of course, with the physical brain, but is not produced by the physical brain. It acts as a receiver. It focalizes consciousness into this dimension. And so you can see then that all your thoughts are essentially invisible, even on the level of thought. And your entire sense of who you are, the, yes, the physical body that you can see, but even on the level of the personality, not to mention the deeper level of the essence of who or what you are, you are invisible and you don't actually exist in this dimension as this invisible entity. You are multidimensional. In this dimension, you are a physical being. But even as a, on the level of thought, you're already in another dimension. Thought exists in another dimension. You cannot find it here. So... All these memories that you have, nobody really knows in what form these memories live in you. I can say now, can, do you remember the, the first teacher you had at school? And immediately you go, yeah, there, he or she, there she is. You remember? I do, I remember what she looked like. I remember her name. And would anybody be able to find, by opening up my brain, would a, a surgeon be able to find my, my first teacher? No, <laughs> can't find anything. You cannot find you at all, because you exist 
in a dimension that is non-physical, essentially. And the essence of who you are, even more so, exists in an even deeper or higher dimension than that. But it's an amazing realization, isn't it, that you are essentially invisible. On a material level, nobody could find you. They can find your body, but not you. (laughs) That's quite an amazing thing. There are enormous mysteries in this universe. There's the mystery of the the microcosm of the uh, uh, subatomic realm that we do not understand. It's totally mysterious what happens there. And then there's a mystery of the macrocosm, the mystery of outer space, of billions of galaxies, inconceivable vastness of it. Does it ever end? The mystery of space itself. Does it go on and on? When I was, I don't know how old, 11 or 12, I asked my dad, what is there? Does it go on and on or does it have an end? Because I always liked looking at the night sky. Of course, nobody knows. It's inconceivable. Both, it, is, it is both inconceivable that space has an end somewhere, and it is equally inconceivable that space has no end. <laughs> because if it has an end, what's beyond it? <laughs> and if it has no end, it's totally impossible to imagine that. So there's a huge mystery there, and there's a huge mystery in the smallest and in the largest. But the greatest mystery of all is the mystery of consciousness. The greatest mystery and the greatest miracle is that the universe is conscious. And consciousness is the essence of the universe. And you are that. The universe is conscious through you, and most likely conscious through millions of other, billions of other life forms everywhere. But here, the universe is conscious through you. And as you awaken out of the egoic state, it is part of the awakening universe. And if it's happening here, we can assume, almost with certainty, that it is happening in countless other places in this universe. It is awakening. You are not in the universe as some entity that has come into this universe, this alien universe. That's how the ego perceives it. There's me and there's this alien world. You are an essential part of it. You have come out of this universe, which is in a manifestation of consciousness itself. So you are the consciousness of the universe, obviously. Not the, it expresses itself in countless other forms, too. But So you're not just a person. You are the, a temporary manifestation of the consciousness of the universe. And then it withdraws. This little manifestation withdraws. Then the body dies. But something of that entity still remains of that the the invisible you does not immediately dissolve the invisible you is still there without the body and I don't want to go into this in too much detail because you'll find this out for yourself soon enough (laughs) so we don't need to talk about it because it's everybody's destiny to find out what happens (laughs) I'm Oprah Winfrey And you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, 
the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. At Delta, we know Mike and HC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.